Do you want to run further, faster, or stronger? Do you want to enjoy your running more and generally be a better version of yourself? You're in the right place. I'm your host, Alan Ladd, a running coach and nutritionist. My aim is to help you improve your running from 5Ks to ultras by providing you with the knowledge and tools you need on training, nutrition, and mindset, as well as giving you the inspiration to dream bigger, achieve more in your running, and to make it fun at the same time. Welcome to the Running Rules Podcast. Let's get started. Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 46 of the Running Rules Podcast. This is my first Christmas special and quite how special it's going to be, I'm not sure yet because we're going to try something a little bit new and different, a little bit fun. And before you switch off, uh, if you don't want fun, uh, I promise there's going to be something hopefully useful for everyone out there, uh, whether it's a bit of humor in this Christmas week, whether it's uh, a little tip as well. Um, I really appreciate you listening to this on Christmas week. Hope you're having a great time wherever you are and looking forward to hopefully some time off if you are working hard up to Christmas. Um, hopefully a good bit of running as well. Think Christmas is a great time to obviously reflect on the year and what's coming up, but more so just to have a little bit of downtime, maybe um, not be so serious about your running necessarily, um, unless you've got something obviously that's coming up in the next few weeks. Um, there's quite often nice little events going on that are a bit out of the ordinary. Um, park runs obviously on. Uh, on Christmas Day for some places and New Year's Day. So there's lots and lots going on, but really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to listen to me on this Christmas special. Um, it's very special because I'm wearing a Christmas jumper, which is obviously great for audio podcasts, but it does have a bell on it. So um, I did try and find some sleigh bells, um, but I've lost them. And that bell really does sound more like I've got a cat in the recording studio than anything else. So um, we may or may not be using that bell at some point um, in the episode. But today I'm going to float the idea of the Running Rules Christmas Crackers. Um, Christmas crackers are probably one of my least favorite things about Christmas um, because they're always a bit underwhelming and disappointing. Um, you get... I'm sure everyone has had them before and probably have them this Christmas. Um, you get a bit of a bang, which we're not going to be able to simulate here because I didn't think of that before I started this. But then you get, obviously, the hat, the joke, and some kind of game toy thing. Sometimes it's so it's so confusing what the, what the thing is supposed to be. Um... But it, it does vary greatly. Sometimes you can get something really great out of a Christmas cracker. Um, and hopefully that's what we're going we're gonna to have today. So these are not on sale. Um, they should be. Um, <laughs> this is floating the idea. And if you're listening in years to come, uh, we're recording this in 2023. You can hop on therunningrules.com to see if I've got Christmas crackers up for sale. Um but we're going to have three parts of the Christmas cracker and things that I might put in. So we're going to have the jokes and I'm going to leave those to the end. Um, 
that will become apparent why when we get there. We're going to have the little items and these are going to be little things that are cheap but quite useful potentially for running. Um, and then we're going to have the hat and now this is where the the Christmas cracker analogy is a little bit stretched and it takes me back to um, one when my graduate job actually uh, when I was a soft graduate software developer I had um, a one of the higher up bosses in there used to do talks and he used to always talk about hats so wearing different hats um, and he would use it to be I'm wearing a hat as a developer a hat as a, a a, a business consultant or a or a, a team leader or whatever so I'm stretching this a little bit but each hat is going to be a little outlook for 2024 based on who I am and those people are going to be um, a coach a runner a nutritionist and a husband so I'm going to give you a little sort of takeaway for 2024 of what I'm going to look into and what, what I'm hoping other people are going to think about going into 2024. We'll start off with the items and I did think about opening the cracker and then having one of each thing read out but I thought maybe it'd be a bit easier to go through each section as it comes because obviously opening a cracker on an audio podcast is not um, really possible. So we're going to go through the items first. So these are little things that I thought of that could actually be great stocking fillers or could actually fit in a cracker potentially and would be very cheap but actually quite useful for running or things that I found useful in the past or for my clients. So the first, so I could have put I was thinking I could put any any useful thing in here. So I could have put my running watch, but I didn't want it to be expensive things and things that we could spend a lot of time talking about. Um, I will at some point do a review of my running watch and the features on it and the things that are useful to look into, but that's not really what this episode is about. This, this is silly items that you might find in a Christmas cracker that could really be useful. So the first item is a rubbish pair of gloves. Now, I, at this time of year when it's really cold, um, I did actually did a session yesterday where it took me about 45 minutes for my hands to warm up. So I, I didn't wear a pair of gloves. Um, I don't know what the temperature was, but it's been low single digits here for quite some time, um, probably a week, 10 days. Uh, it's been dipping under zero at, at times as well. And yesterday, for whatever reason, uh, well, I, I can tell you why I didn't wear a pair of gloves. I keep losing them. Um, and that is one reason why a cheap pair of gloves is brilliant, because I lose so many gloves all the time, as do my kids as well. And when they've lost their, their gloves, I have to lend them or give them a pair of mine. But honestly, the best gloves for running I find are the cheapest thinnest pair possible I mean you can pick these up for probably two three pounds and yes they're really thin if you're going out and you're not doing any exercise they're not going to keep your hands warm but 
they're enough just to keep that sort of wind chill, air chill off your hands and just warm them enough so that they're not freezing. Um, as I say, it took about 45 minutes for my hands to warm up yesterday without my gloves. And that was doing a, a full proper session. I wasn't just running easy. But if I'm just running easy, having a really thin pair of gloves on just takes that um, that chill off. And also, if you're doing it for a race, for instance, you've got a marathon where it's going to start off being really cold and then it's going to warm up, you can just toss those gloves away because um, they're, they're cheap. Someone else can probably make use of them. Um, and yeah, that is one of my top tips is to invest in cheap, thin gloves and obviously something that could fit in a Christmas cracker. The second item on my list is a pair of socks. Now this sounds a bit obvious, um, but I'm going to explain my reasoning here. Um, and it's not just any pair of socks. It has to be different, a different pair of running socks to your normal running socks. Um, we were talking at the Christmas dinner about uh, super shoes and whether they actually make a difference. Now, I think there's enough evidence out there to say that super shoes definitely make a, um, an actual difference. But there's lots of things that people do or take or use that might not have much benefit. But if you believe in it, then there is a placebo effect there. And the placebo effect really means that if you believe it, then you get a benefit out of it, even if there's no actual physical benefit. So an example would be, we know that caffeine has been um, researched loads and loads of times and does make an actual difference. But the reason we know it actually makes a difference is because in trials, you would not just give some people caffeine and some people not caffeine. You would also give a placebo pill to a third group which would test that placebo effect. And what that means is you give someone um, what they think is caffeine, but it isn't actually, to test what the difference is in terms of performance. And what you typically will find is that the group that take nothing do the worst. The group that take the placebo pill, they think they're getting caffeine, but they're not actually, will have some improvement because they believe that they're having something that works. And then the, the people who are actually taking caffeine will get that placebo plus um, the actual physical benefits of, of taking that caffeine. But you can do this with a whole load of things as well. Um, and going back to the, the pair of socks, um, or sorry, the, the conversation about super shoes, um, it was put to me that maybe um, people get a benefit out of super shoes just because they think they're doing something. So that would be the placebo effect. And for some people that may be true. I think for most people, the super shoes will actually have a have a benefit as well. But then I said that that is a valid effect. You know, if you believe that something works, then it does work. You get that placebo effect, you get some um, benefit. And, I, and then I talked about my pair of racing socks um my my pair of running socks that i always use for every race there's nothing special about them it just 
puts me in a frame of mind that I'm wearing my race gear now. I'm not just wearing any old pair of socks. I'm wearing my racing socks. They're the ones I save just for racing. There's nothing special about them. They're just different from all the other ones. Um, they are nice and thin. Um, they are nice and comfortable. Um, so obviously they have to be decent socks, um, good socks, but there's nothing special about them. There's no, you know, you know, no plates in the, the socks that are going to make me run faster. It's just a feeling of this is my race gear. This is um, time to go. And it does help enforce that idea that you're going to be pushing on and doing something good. So a pair of socks, a pair of running socks that's different to your current running socks. The third item on my list is a pacing band. Now, a pacing band, you've probably seen these at marathon expos, is really, um, usually it's a, a breakdown of every mile and the time you need to be passing that mile marker to get to a, a target time for your marathon. Um, so f taking three and a half hours, for instance, which is roughly eight minutes a mile, you'll get mile one, eight minutes, mile two, 16, three, 24, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, I haven't used pacing bands that much per se, myself or with clients, but what we have done is written down some key times on, I've got people to write them on the hands, but this is where an actual band might be a bit better and something that could fit in a Christmas cracker. But some key miles and times to get you on track for your marathon. And the reason we do that is because it's no good looking at your watch in a marathon and saying, yes, I'm on pace. I'm going to make my time. Yes, I've run eight minute miles all the way through this um, marathon. So I'm going to make 330. Because what generally happens is that the watch will measure long. First of all, the course has to be at least a marathon distance, so it's typically a little bit more. Secondly, you can't always take the shortest line because there might be more people on the course or you might not see where the shortest line is. And thirdly, your watch is not 100% accurate. The GPS might bounce off buildings, especially uh, if you're running through high buildings and that can look like it's adding time on. What it actually looks like is it looks like you've run further and you it looks like you've run faster than you actually have. So this is where checking in at the mile markers is really important and looking at the elapsed time on your watch. So when you get to 20 miles, for instance, you want to know that you're going past that at two hours 40 if you're on for a three and a half hour marathon. That's 20 times eight, 160, two hours 40. And, and that's what we've been doing with some of our clients is making sure that they know where where they should be on the course at certain times and it doesn't have to be bang on but at least it will at least give you an idea of whether you are on target slightly behind target slightly ahead of target and what you need to do especially gets more and more important towards the end of the race because if you're very close to a PB, you want to know, yes, I need to put the hammer down here with two miles to go because if I don't, if I just jog this in, I'm going to miss it. And first of all, it's difficult to do that 
uh, in the middle of a race when you're tra- when you're really fatigued and you're trying to do the maths in your head. I've done that myself and can just about do it usually, um, but it's not that easy. And secondly, um, it's it's just nice not having that pressure of having to do that. And um, if you are not really um, clued in as to w- what time you're on for, it can be easy to just go to think that you've missed it and just take the pressure off rather than pushing on. So a pacing band is definitely a possibility. Uh, one thing, you can make these at home um, with a bit of a strip of paper. Obviously, if it's raining, that's a bit of a bit more of a problem because um, that paper could um, disintegrate. Uh, so I've been getting people to write write this on on their hands. There's probably a better way of doing this. Um, might be something I look into next year. Um, maybe something that can come up on the watch. The watches are getting very fancy these days. Um, certainly with the Garmin's now, you can pro- program things in data fields in to the watch um, and one of these could be um, where you need to be on the course at a certain point in time. But a pacing band um, is my next item on the list. The final uh, item on the list and something you actually might find in the Christmas cracker, pretty sure I've got one of these before, is a tiny screwdriver. Um, This has come in handy recently for me to clean out my spikes. so what I generally do is let the mud dry out and then use the screwdriver to get right in and around the holes, um, right in and around the spikes to get all that mud out. Um, so yeah, you may well get one of those in a Christmas cracker this year. Don't chuck it out because it could come in useful for cleaning out your spikes. Um, when I first got to my spikes this season, um, I hadn't cleaned them out from January and some of the spikes were rusted in. So I had to get a friend to actually clamp them and wrench the the the, um, the spikes out and put new ones in. So definitely clean your spikes. Um, it makes it a lot easier when you come to dig them out the next season. And a tiny screwdriver can make a big difference. Those are my items. If you have any suggestions of things, I'd love to know. Um, send me a DM at the Running Rules on Instagram. If you've any items that you can think of, anything, especially anything that you would actually get in a cracker, I think that's even more inventive. Um, so yeah, I've seen all sorts of nonsense and tat in in Christmas crackers, and the and sadly. Quite a lot of that stuff just gets chucked away. So if there's any way that you can use a plastic hair clip or something else that you get in a Christmas cracker, let me know. So moving slightly on to the more serious third of this, we're going to wear the hats um, from the Christmas cracker. Uh, Well, I'm going to wear my hats proverbially. proverbially, um, And I'm going to talk about a little outlook that I'm going to take into the new year for each of the different people that I am. So I'm going to start off with my coach's hat. And what I really am going to think about doing more and and trying to get more from clients, and you can think about doing this yourself, is to focus on how you're feeling um, 
both in sessions and after sessions as well. Because as a coach, you can look back on the the data and the training in Training Peaks is the app that I use. Um, you can look at the times, the splits, you can see that people have done the sessions or they haven't done the sessions, but you don't get a lot of other information from that. So there's quite a lot of times I'll be checking in with people um, to find out how things have gone. And it would be great to actually be able to go back and see on individual runs, how did they feel during it? How did they feel afterwards? Because that is so important. The data only tells you what happened. It doesn't tell you how it happened. So you can see that a session has been done. You can see that the paces have been hit. But how did that feel? Was that actually really comfortable? Or was that the edge of your limit? That's really important for a coach and, an, and a runner to understand. Because if you're operating right on your limit for certain sessions, should you be going that far? on those sessions or should those paces be dialed back a little bit to make them a bit more manageable you really don't want to be going into every session thinking this is going to be an all-out effort to get this done because it's really difficult to maintain that week on week on week knowing that every time you get a hard session it's going to be really tough you want most of those sessions to be manageable tough but manageable so so that you can build up that consistency of ticking off those sessions and building up the, the progress that you get from that. So really think about how you feel in those sessions. Conversely, you might be ticking off these sessions and not really thinking about it, but when when you delve more deeply into it, you may well feel that you've got more to give and that you're really not pushing yourself as much as you could be. So that could be the flip side of this. You want to be testing yourself to a certain extent, at least, I would say, once every couple of weeks, once every three weeks, maybe. You want a session which really tests you and moves you on. You don't want that all the time, but certainly some of the time. So the other part of this is thinking about how you feel the rest of the time. It, are those sessions really fatiguing you too much to the point where the rest of the time you're not really recovering properly, you don't feel like you've got a lot of energy? That could come down to the load, but it could also come down to other factors like sleep and nutrition. So really think about how you feel the rest of the time as well, not just on the sessions themselves. Uh, and if you can, write it down. Um, I love to see this. What Some of my clients are really good at doing this. They'll write in, in the um, the training notes, training peaks notes, and that will give me a real, really good, broad understanding of how people are getting on with these sessions, how they're feeling the rest of the time as well. Of course, I check in once a month with everyone face-to-face, um, and that gives me more information again. So I do have all these different bits of information coming in, but when you have that that um, feedback straight after a session, when it's fresh in someone's mind, that's probably when the best the best time to do it is because you know right in that moment how it felt. If you do it two, three days later, week later, 
it's really difficult to look back and go, oh yeah, I was feeling quite fatigued in that session, or I really struggled in the middle part of that session. It's, it's really hard to remember that. So doing it as soon after a session that as you can is probably the best way of doing it. So I'm going to switch hats to my runner hat. And for 2024, I think the main thing that has helped me in the last few months and what I want to take into 2024 is building the belief in my own ability. I think I talked a couple of weeks ago about every session that I do, I'm slightly holding back. And I think that's a good thing because you don't, as I said before, you don't want to be going full full out in every session. But because I'm, I've been holding back for so long, you get used to running at this sort of 8 out of 10, 7 out of 10, 9 out of 10, um, and not really necessarily knowing how far away from 10 out of 10 you're actually operating at. So the last few months have really built up this belief and I think definitely doing the cross country moved me on in terms of belief. When I went to Glasgow and I started on the start line of the Masters Championship, my plan was to go conservatively and I soon found out that that wasn't going to work because I was just going to drop right off the back. So I kind of had to push myself harder than I wanted to to be able to stay in touch with everyone. But what I found was that actually I was okay at that that level or that pace and I was able to build into the race. So I definitely feel for me there's more there and that's sort of culminated in the 5K that I ran a few weeks ago because I my belief in what I could do had moved on. Yes, sometimes you can sort of be overconfident and go into things and blow up. But part of me thinks that once in a while, that's not a bad way to go about it. Because especially in shorter distance races like 5k, possibly even a 10k, you have have more opportunities to race those races. So going in and really going for it at a level that you haven't done before, as long as it's not outrageously ridiculous, I think it's worth doing that from time to time. And certainly that's what I plan to do going into 2024 is believing that this last cycle has really moved me on and really trying to push on a little bit in, in training and give myself the belief that I can push those half marathon and marathon times down when I get to them next year. So switching hats again to my nutritionist hat, uh, and I could have gone in many different directions here. Um, I think nutrition is something that's so underrated and undervalued by runners in general. I think we kind of, a lot of runners that I see probably feel like they have a reasonable handle on nutrition. They probably do, but there's definitely probably things that will make things better for them in terms of whether that's energy or recovery. Um, so I could have gone in a few directions here, but I'm going to talk about protein. Protein, I think, is so important for runners because we do so much 
micro trauma when we're out pounding on the roads. We should be doing strength training as well. And you want protein, especially after those strength sessions, to rebuild that muscle, to be stronger than it was before. And generally, especially if you're vegetarian or vegan, but across the board, I would say, I think we probably don't focus enough on protein. It should really be the first consideration, the first thing on the plate, the most important thing. Um, it's certainly, I feel like if I go back to school, I never felt like I got an understanding of what nutrition was and why we needed things and how to put a meal together. And consequently, I would be making meals which were pasta with a tomato sauce with some vegetables in it. There was no real protein constituent in there. Yes, you'll get some protein from the pasta, but not a whole lot. Um, yes, before when I was eating meat, I might have had chicken in there, which obviously then fills a big void in that meal. But once I went vegetarian, removed the chicken, I didn't really replace that with anything else. Now I'm always thinking about what's my protein in here. And as a vegetarian vegan or a vegan, it could probably come from different sources on that plate. It's not necessarily going to be one thing. Whereas if you're a meat eater, if you have, an, if you have a chicken breast on your plate, that's going to be your protein there, right there for that meal. Um, breakfast is a really interesting one because unless you're eating meat, eggs, you know, something cooked for breakfast, then it can be a little bit harder to get that in. You're probably looking at things like oats are going to get you some protein, but probably not enough. Seeds and nuts are going to help towards that, but probably not enough. For me, I do put protein powder in with that to just boost it a little bit. Um, so there's you could be looking at um, low-fat yogurt, potentially, or protein yogurt. Um, that will obviously boost the content there as well. But it's thinking about each meal and getting a good amount of protein in there. Really want wanting to get at least 20 grams per meal up to 40 grams. Um, most people probably need to be aiming for around about 100 grams of protein a day. Depends on your weight. For me, I'm around about 70 kilos, so that 100 grams is about right for me. If you're lighter than that, you might need less. If you're heavier than that, you might need more, but somewhere around there. So it, even 20 grams at each meal, if you're only having three meals and no snacks, isn't a massive amount. Um, so do think about bulking up with some protein type snacks, whether it's sort of eggs, soya beans, um, some chicken, whatever it is going to be, just to boost that protein because it is so important. And I believe that that will help you with your recovery. Um, it will help guard against any niggles, injuries. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it, it's something that we undervalue, I think, in the diet. Um, so that is my one message with my nutritionist hat is to focus on protein next year. And then going and putting my husband hat on. Um, it's funny, uh, when I was talking to Louise about doing this episode, I think she thought the, the, the idea was a little bit strange. So um, it's a good job she's 
not going to be listening to this, but she nearly persuaded me not to do this Christmas crackers um, episode um, because I don't think she really understood what it was about. And that may be the feedback that I get. If you if you thought this was a bit out there and, and wild, do let me know. Won't do it again next year. But yeah, with my husband hat on, Louise supports all my goals um, with with you know, with, with everything that she has and she is so supportive and I wouldn't be able to do all the things that I do without her, her support and her, you know, gene me on to do things. Um, it, to the extent that next year when I go to Chicago, I'm going to be leaving on her birthday, which I feel really bad about, though I do think uh, we did so much for her 40th this year that would probably, as, as she said, She's probably going to have a quiet one next year anyway, but I really appreciate that. But what I want to sort of focus on from, from my point of view is that her goals are not necessarily the same as mine. So yes, she has some running goals, but running for her is not uh, as all-encompassing as it is for me. Obviously, it's it's my job. It's my hobby. It's pretty much a lot of what I do is running um and a lot of what i talk about is running and i'm constantly focusing on new things to do that's not necessarily the same for her but when it is it's obviously easy for me to get right behind her running goals and a supporter with that she managed to do a fantastic time in the half marathon and you can listen back to her story uh in one of the earlier episodes but she managed to run a half marathon PB this year and she would love to break two hour marathon, two hour half marathon barrier next year if possible. So obviously it's easy for me to get behind that. But I want to get behind her other goals as well, whether that's with her business or with other things that she does, her craft stuff. Um, there's so many other things that she wants to do and I want to make sure that I'm behind her for that because support is the biggest thing for runners and for everyone in general if you have someone who is cheerleading for you in your corner um, it makes it so much easier to do it um, and have confidence and belief in yourself so I want to reciprocate that um, if you are out there and you feel like you don't have that support then really try and look around find people who are going to be positive about what you're doing whether that's um, partner, friends, family, uh, getting into a running club, send me a message if you want some support because um, coaches are there for that as well. So that is, that's my last takeaway, my last insight for next year is to really get behind Louise and support her with her goals for 2024. Okay, so we've had the items um and we've had the hats, which was a bit of a, a stretch, um, but hopefully something useful in there. We're going to finish off with the jokes, and um, these are terrible. Um, I will, I will say that right now. I did look. I did think I was going to be able to look on the internet and find some Christmas running jokes, uh, and what transpired was quite a lengthy search um, and not finding a whole lot. So there's definitely a niche out there if anyone wants to go into it of Christmas running jokes. And if we ever get the crackers for another Christmas, then 
If you've got some great jokes, let me know because we'll probably need to replace some of these. These are actually some that I came up with myself when I realized that I couldn't find any online. So they are terrible and I apologize right now for them. Um, but here we go. And it's going to be really difficult for me to know how bad they are because obviously there's not an audience here listening live. Um, so the room is going to be silent after every joke and probably should be. Um, but here we go. So why should Santa be a good runner? Because he's surrounded by lots of elfy people. Yeah, that wasn't great to start with. Um, who, which father, uh, messed that one up already. <laughs> okay, the second joke. Which Father Christmas has the fastest shoes? Saint Nicholas. Um, yeah, anyone who is not a Nike fan will maybe disagree with that. Uh, we are going to do a shoes episode at some point soon. I'm hoping to get a guest on for shoes episode. Um, if not, I'll be doing my own shoes collection, which probably take up an hour anyway. Um, but yes, the Nikes. Um, I also have a bit of a, a bugbear with Nike because they were selling off the Vaporfly 2s just before Christmas, which is the shoe that um, I've been racing in the whole of 2023. But of course, they didn't have my size in any of the colors because I wear um, a size 10 and so, do, so does everyone else, apparently. Um, so it looks like they sold all the Vaporfly 2s out and not sure whether to go for the Vaporfly, Vaporfly 3s because... Um, there has been some people saying that they changed it quite a lot. Um, quite tempted to go back to the Saucony and Dolphin Pros. As I say, we'll get into shoes um, in another episode. But yeah, hope hope you got your shoes of choice this Christmas and um, are looking forward to wearing them on the Christmas Day parkrun. Okay, this one's better, I promise. So why did the Christmas tree get so strong? Because he was carrying so many barbells. Barbells? Barbells? Yeah, no, okay, it wasn't any better. So the final one. Um, which Christmas tune is going to get you to the end of your next marathon? Don't let the gels end. Uh, yeah, sleigh bells would have been better, but um, the jingly bell on my tops that sounds like a cat will have to do. So, yeah, apologies for those jokes. Um, this is why this is not an actual product that you can buy in the shops. Um, do let me know if you've heard any worse jokes than that this Christmas. Um, and also if you've... <laughs> can think of any good running Christmas puns because there literally was nothing out there that I could find. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I really uh, appreciate you listening to this Christmas episode and all the episodes throughout this year. Um, we're nearly up to 50 episodes now, which is amazing. Do send this on to anyone that you know um, that is getting into running, wants to run faster, has been into running for a while. Um, send it on to one person this 
Christmas. It will really help. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting more guests on, but that really depends as well on getting more and more people listening. Um, the more I do that, the more guests I'll be able to get on. So it's really supporting me to bring other people on and um, trying to sort of keep the wheels going on this. But I really enjoy doing this. Hope you've got something out of this. Hope you have a brilliant Christmas. Um, and if you are out running, um, have fun. Um, there's no need to be too serious around this time of year unless you've got something coming right up. So do enjoy your Christmas runs. And finally, if you do want uh, any help in the new year, um, you can book a call with me to go through what you're doing in the spring. Um, I really recommend doing that just to get an idea of, you know, a, a layout for what you're doing in the spring. You can do that by messaging me on Instagram at The Running Rules. Have a brilliant Christmas. Thanks for listening. Take care and speak to you all soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate you taking the time and I hope you've got something to take away and action in your own running. If you enjoyed the show, please hit subscribe and recommend it to someone you know. If you're struggling with your own training or want to get faster and stronger and not sure how to, therunningrules.com forward slash coaching is where you can find out more about getting personalized help with your running and nutrition to take you to the next level. Have a great week, stay consistent, focused, and most importantly, enjoy your running.